This morning, we have a great friend of mine who is now a part of our church family who is going to be speaking. His name is Mitch. And uh, some of you know Mitch. Some of you don't. Uh, if you were here the past year, you prayed for him. And we prayed for him. Uh, and we'll find out a little bit more about why that was if you don't remember. Uh, but Mitch uh, has a big beard. He rides motorcycles. He likes to weld stuff and shoot guns. And uh, I, I do not feel as manly as I should when I'm around him, okay? And so that's just the reality of the situation. Uh, but uh, Mitch was, Mitch was a, the, the pastor of the church in Freeport, just down the road, uh, and had made a transition in his life and has been a part of our congregation here, our church family, for some time now. Um, but Mitch went through really heavy stuff this past year. And it was a lot. And you'll hear, I'm going to just let him tell that story a little bit. But we asked him to speak today uh, because I've, I've felt from the very beginning of this, Mitch, that God wanted to use your story for his glory and for his good. And I think that this could in a way, be kind of the start of some of that for you in a different way. And so this is going to be raw. Uh, it's going to be emotional at times. I can already see it a little bit in his eyes, and he hasn't even said anything yet. So let's give him like a River of Life Church amazing welcome. And come on, Mitch, let's go. Thank you. Uh, wow. <laughs> um, we've, had all, we've all had those moments where we want to just kind of shout, praise the Lord. <laughs> when life goes right, for those kids in school when you didn't study as well for a test as you maybe thought you should have, and you took the test and you get it back and there's a grade on there that is so much better than you thought it should be, it's like, praise the Lord. When you ask someone special out on a date, and they say yes, praise the Lord. <laughs> when that special someone becomes the person you want to propose to, and you get down on that knee, and you ask them, and they pause, and they say yes, praise the Lord. <laughs> we just had Christmas, when you've waited all year for that just that one gift, and it shows up under the tree, and you open it up, and you're so happy. It's like, praise the Lord. Or... In the morning when you're getting ready for work and you're trying to find your car keys and you're looking around for them for 15, 20 minutes and they're finally in your pocket where you put them 20 minutes ago, praise the Lord. We all have those moments where we want to shout praise the Lord, but what does it really mean to praise God? Praising God is simply an expression of how wonderful and great we believe him to be and how much we love him. This can be done simply by speaking, God, you're so worthy, you're so mighty, you're so holy, Lord. Thank you for these great things. And it can also be done by one of my favorite ways of singing like we did this morning. But what about in those moments when life isn't actually going right? Is God really worthy of our praise in those moments? Can we really say praise the Lord when life is hard? There's a story in the Bible of a man named Job. And when you read this story, you find out quickly that Job is this 
upright man who fears God, who's turned away from evil. He, he follows God. The next thing you find out about Job is that he has seven sons and three daughters, and he is wealthy. He has sheep and camels and yoke of oxen and female donkeys, and there are a lot of people who work for Job, and the list just goes on. And Job has it going on. And to top that all off, he's, he's someone who is following after the heart of God. That as his kids celebrate birthdays and various feasts, afterward Job would go out early the next morning and he'd offer sacrifices on his kids' behalf just in case one of them sinned while they were celebrating. And as you read on in the story of Job, you get to this point where, where Satan comes before God and they have this exchange and Job is pointed out as this God-fearing, blameless man. And Satan tells God, it's because you've blessed him with all this stuff, it's because you protect him that, that Job is in this place, that you've placed all this there. And if you took all that away, God, if you took all that away, Job would curse you. So God allows Satan to take all of this from Job. And that's where we're going to pick up the story in the book of Job. Job chapter 1, verse 13, says this. Now there was a day when his sons and daughters were eating and drinking wine in their oldest brother's house. And there came a messenger to Job and said, The oxen were plowing and the donkeys feeding beside them, and the Sabines fell upon them and took them and struck down the servants with the edge of the sword, and I alone have escaped to tell you. While he was yet speaking, there came another and said, the fire of God fell from heaven and burned up the sheep and the servants and consumed them, and I alone have escaped to tell you. While he was yet speaking, there came another and said, The Chaldeans formed three groups and made a raid on the camels and took them and struck down the servants with the edge of the sword, and I alone have escaped to tell you. While he was yet speaking, there came another and said, Your sons and your daughters were eating and drinking wine in the oldest brother's house. And behold, a great wind came across the wilderness and struck the four corners of the house, and it fell upon the young people, and they are dead. And I alone have escaped to tell you. Everything Job had was gone. All his children were dead. And all but four servants survived to tell Job about it. In the midst of all that, how does Job respond? Verse 20 tells us that Job arose and tore his robe and shaved his head and fell on the ground and worshipped. In the midst of all that, he paused to worship. He said, naked I came from my mother's room and naked I shall return the Lord gave, and the Lord has taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Job, in the midst of tragedy, stops and utters a simple praise to God. As you read on in the story, you come to chapter 2, and Satan appears before God once again. And God says, how about Job? says this in verse 3, And the Lord said to Satan, Have you considered my servant Job, that there is no one like him on earth, a blameless and upright man who fears God and turns away from evil? He holds fast to his integrity, 
although you incited me against him to destroy him without reason. Satan, though, he's still not happy. He tells God that skin for skin, that Job still blesses you because he's healthy. He has his health. So God allows Satan to do whatever he wants as long as he doesn't kill Job. Now we can go and talk about the theological reasons why God allows this and the questions of why God allows bad things to happen to good people and and all that, but I'm going to leave that for Pastor Kyle on another Sunday. You're welcome. (laughs) But in verse 7 of chapter 2, we read the response here. And so Satan went out from the presence of the Lord and struck Job with loathsome sores from the sole of his foot to the crown of his head. And he took a piece of broken pottery with which to scrape himself as he sat in the ashes. Job is suffering. Suffering to the point where even his wife, who is also grieving, tells him he should just curl up and die. Verse 9. Then his wife said to him, You still hold fast to your integrity? Curse God and die. But he said to her, You speak as one of the foolish women would speak. Shall we receive good from God and shall we not receive evil? And all this Job did not sin with his lips. Job is going through it. Going through it and his, his wife is going through it and her response is just, just give up and let go. But Job won't do that. Job also has some friends. Job chapter 2, verse 11. Now when Job's three friends heard of all this evil that had come upon him, they came each from their own place. Elphaz, the Temanite, Bildad, the Shuhite, Zophar, the Namathite. They made an appointment together to come to show him sympathy and comfort. And when they saw him from a distance, they did not recognize him. And they raised their voices and wept, and they tore their robes and sprinkled dust on their heads towards heaven. And they sat with him on the ground seven days and seven nights. And no one spoke a word to him, for they saw that his suffering was great. We know that in these first two chapters that Job is suffering. In the next 36 chapters, his friends will... Instead of just sitting there and being with him, they'll begin to talk. And they're beginning to try to their best to help Job out. They're going to tell him that this happened because he has sinned, that this has happened because God's upset with him, that, that all this is, he's going through is because he got everything he did through wrongdoing. And Job, in these next 36 chapters, will tell them that they're wrong, that he's walked right before God and for others. And in that process, Job will question God. Job will wonder why he's going through all of this. He'll wonder why he was ever born if this is the way his life was going to turn out. But in the midst of all that, Job will continue to put his hope and his trust in God. Job will express how wonderful and great God is. Job knows that God is worthy of praise even when things aren't going as we planned them to go. So what is it that we can learn from this story of Job? How is it that God can still be worthy of praise when nothing is going right? 
There's two things I want you to see about praise. See, there are 36 chapters of Job where his friends are going back and forth about why Job is suffering and what's happening. Spoiler alert, if you read to the end of the book, all of them are wrong. Because God answers in the last few chapters and Job realizes that he doesn't actually need to understand the why. He doesn't need to understand why it's all happening. He just needs to trust in God. That God has a plan and a purpose that's, that's higher than his understanding. But in all of it, Job doesn't forget what he's going through and yet he still praises God. And the first thing I want you to see that is, is praise is not forgetting about what's happening. In Job chapter 6, verse 10, Job says this, This would be my comfort. I would even extol in pain unsparing, for I have not denied the words of the Holy One. Job says, this is going to be my comfort. I like the way that the Amplified Version says this. It says, then I would even have consolation. I would jump for joy in pain unsparing. I would jump for joy in pain unsparing that I have not denied or hidden the words of the Holy One. Job has put his trust in God to the point that he's willing to admit that even in the midst of pain that he's going to jump for joy, that he's going to have this comfort, he's going to have this consolation that God is there even in the midst of all of it because he's willing to praise God through it all. Chapter 13, verse 15. Though he slay me, I will hope in him. Job has this undeniable faith that says, God, even though I'm going through the worst of it, even though I've seen my kids die and all my stuff gone, I will still hope in you. Yet I will argue my ways to his face. See, as long as we're willing to put our trust in God and keep our hope in him, as long as we're looking to God in that way, it's okay to remit what you're going through. It's okay to admit that what you have going on isn't the way you planned it. It's okay to question God and to ask God, why do I have to go through this? Why do I have to go through the pain? Why do I have to go through the suffering? God, I want to argue to your face, but I'm going to hope and trust in you. Job chapter 19, verse 25. Job says this, For I know that my Redeemer lives. And all of this, In chapters 3 through 37, Job laments his situation. He cries out to God. He asks questions. Job's so-called friends say horrible things about him. Job corrects his friends' wrong thinking. But in all of it, Job trusts God, even though he doesn't understand what's happening. And through it all, he's willing to praise God, even though it's all still happening. So you can praise God in the midst of the horrible things without forgetting what those horrible things are. Second thing I want you to see about praise this morning is that praise allows us to invite God into the middle of our mess. See, and this is an amazing thing. See, if you recall when Job's friends first showed up, they did the best thing that anybody can do with somebody who's grieving. And they simply sat with Job. In the midst of our suffering, in the midst of the things that are going on, the things that we haven't planned on, in the midst of grief, 
If we're willing to praise God, he will come and sit with us, much like Job's friends started out doing. There's this verse in Psalm 22, verse 3. It says this, Yet you are holy, enthroned on the praises of Israel. And there's two words I want us to look at in that verse. The first word is the word Israel. And this is simply God's people. Those people who trust in God, those people who put their faith in God, those people who put their hope and their trust in who he is. Just as Job said that God is my redeemer, that his hope was in God, if we are willing to do that, then we are his people. The second word I want you to look at is the word translated enthroned. This is the Hebrew word yeshev. And it means to sit, to remain, to dwell. So then this verse, if you look at it, this verse says that God will inhabit. He will rest in. He will sit upon. He will dwell with the praise of his people. When you and I take the moment to sing praises, when we speak out the ways that God is our redeemer, that he is our hope, that he is mighty and worthy and present, when we tell him that he is worthy of honor and he's worthy of glory, when everything that we have can be put into God and say, God, that you are all in all, then no matter what, no matter what the situation is, no matter where we are at, God will be with us and his presence will be known. For me, this has been the journey of the last nine months. Back in mid-April, my wife Joan started to not feel well. She's a little stubborn, so in May she finally went to the doctor. And on May 10th, she was diagnosed with ovarian cancer. Nine days later, on May 19th, we would go to the hospital because her condition had worsened. And on May 25th, Joan went home to be with Jesus. The day we found out she had cancer, we cried, and we prayed, and we worshiped the God who is our Redeemer, who is our hope. The days I spent driving back and forth to the hospital, each morning on the drive-in, each night on the way home, I spent time praising God. Even though I didn't understand it. God, you are holy. God, you are mighty. God, you're worthy of everything I can give you. Each day in the hospital, setting Joan's iPad up beside her, putting worship songs on repeat, And in each of those moments, in each of those days, in every bit of that time, God was there. Sitting in, being with us, knowing his presence. In the months since Joan has gone to heaven, I haven't forgotten what happened. I haven't forgotten the pain 
I haven't forgotten the grief, but I also haven't forgotten who God is. That no matter what the situation is, no matter what the circumstances are, no matter what is happening in my life, God, you are worthy of praise. You're worthy of my praise. And I can tell you that in doing that, that I have known the presence of God in a way I've never known it before. Can I tell you that Job felt the same way? And you can feel the same way. After all Job's questioning, after all that he had gone through, after all his friends' doubts and their mischaracterations of who God is, God showed up and answered Job. And in Job's response in chapter 42, Job says this in verse 5. I had heard of you by the hearing of ears, but now my eyes see you. See, before all this happened, Job knew who God was. He had heard of the mighty works of God. He had heard of all that God had done. He was willing to go out and offer sacrifices to God on behalf of his kids and himself. But after this experience, after Job had seen God, Job had experienced the presence of God. Why? How? Because Job never lost sight of the fact that God was worthy of praise. And in that, God came to dwell. How? By doing the very same thing that we can do. David in Psalm 42 and 43 has this same verse written three times. Psalm 42, verse 5, Psalm 42, verse 11, and Psalm 43, verse 5. David says this, Why am I discouraged? Why is my heart so sad? I will put my hope in God. I will praise him again, my Savior, my God. See, if we're willing to put our faith in God, if we're willing to place our lives in his hand, then no matter the situation, we can give him praise. And he will be there. There's this song that has helped me over the last several months. A friend actually sent it to me. And it's helped remind me that no matter the situation, God is worthy of my praise. The song is called Worthy of My Song by Phil Wickham. And before we play it, I wanna, I wanna pray for us this morning. Heavenly Father, I wanna thank you for who you are. And I wanna thank you that you no matter the situation, are worthy of our praise. God, I don't know what this next year has in store for any of us. And God, I don't know the things that we have gone through in the past year, in the past month, in the past week. But God, I know that in the midst of it all, you are worthy of our praise. And that as we praise you, God, you will sit with us. You will dwell with us in the midst of those things. And God, we will know your presence in a greater way. So God, I pray that as we close this out, as we listen to the song, you begin to move on our hearts and on our minds. Lord, to remind us of your goodness and your grace in the midst of anything. God, whether we have 
seen you in a great way and we give you honor and glory or whether, God, we are searching and desperate because we are suffering. God, help us to know you and know your presence even more. Amen. stop singing your praise no I'll never stop singing your praise and in the blessing and the pain you are worthy whether you say yes or no wait. you are worthy and through it all I choose to say you are worthy I'll never stop singing your praise no
We just pause for a, a holy moment where through Mitch, God, you are teaching a very powerful, important lesson. And so, God, I pray that this would not just be another church service, another song, another sermon, but, God, that we would truly understand this deep principle of even in the pain you are worthy and in the blessing and the breaking God you are worthy you are worthy of everything that we are and everything that we have our, our worship our lives our hearts and God when bad happens and when tragedy strikes you are not any less worthy than you are when we are standing on the mountain and so, God, I pray, I pray for those in this place who are in the midst of a valley, even in this moment. God, we, we pray for miracles, and we ask for that, and we believe for that stuff. But, God, I just pray that in this moment, we would have a realization, God, that you are still good, that you are great, and that you are worthy of it all, every part. And so, God, we are just grateful that you are there. We thank you, God. We thank you, God. In your name we pray. With every eye closed and head bowed just for a moment before we go, we always just want to give people an opportunity to respond to the message of Jesus, even for the very first time. Maybe you're here today, and this is all new to you. Maybe this is... Maybe you... Don't consider yourself a church person or whatever else. Listen, there is a God who loves you so much that he sent his very son to die so that you could be forgiven. And the Bible says we all need that. All have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. There is no one righteous, not even one. And if we will put, if you will put your trust and your faith in this Jesus, then, then you can be saved. That's the words the scripture uses. 
and maybe you're here today or maybe you're watching behind a screen and you would just simply say, Pastor Kyle, I have never responded to that message, the message of Jesus, that he did that for me and I want to respond to that today. If that's you, just quickly show me your hand. I just want to pray for you today. Anyone in this place that would say, yes, this is my day. Thank you. Thank you. You can put your hand down. If you're watching uh, this online right now, you can respond as well. Uh, this is a heart thing between you and God. But anyone else that would just say, yes, this is my moment. Church, can we just take a moment and let's just pray together. Pray this with me. Pray, Father God, I give you my life. Thank you for sending Jesus to die for me. Forgive me of my sins and change my life. In your name we pray.